Hey everyone, welcome to the Balanced Dietitian Podcast. I am your host, Marie-Pierre, and for all my English friends out there, you can call me Marie. I am a registered dietitian with a background in psychology. My passion in life is to help individuals heal their relationship with food and their bodies. If you're tired of dieting and tired of restriction, you are at the right place. I'm hoping that this podcast will help and support you as you heal your own relationship with food and your body and give you the tools, the resources, and the knowledge that you need to finally ditch the diets. Every week, you will be hearing from guest experts and myself on all things food, body, and mind. I am so happy that you're here and I cannot wait to support you on your journey. Let's get started. Welcome back to the podcast. I hope that you are doing good today, my friend. Today, we're having a conversation on intuitive eating and being an athlete. Um, And I think this conversation is actually really, really cool and much needed. I think this is an intersection that we don't talk enough about, um, especially if you're someone who enjoys sports and fitness and you are an athlete. And I want to say here, when we say athlete, we're not talking about competitive athletes. (laughs) Um, So our definition of athletes, it's someone who moves their body, enjoys moving their body regularly. Um, So if that is you, I think this episode is going to be really, really cool to be able to start unpacking some myths around it, but also understanding the role of intuitive eating and sports performance. And actually, I've heard, I've shared this on my Instagram. I don't, I don't think I've shared it here, actually. I am someone who loves to do triathlons. I am, I haven't done one in two years because COVID, um, but I have signed up again for this summer to do a triathlon. And it's something that I thoroughly enjoy. I really, really like it. And I was actually curious to know, and you can let me hear, let let me know um, by DM me on Instagram, if that's something that you'd be interested in hearing about. I've had a lot of requests on Instagram to talk a little bit about how do you train for a competitive event like a triathlon when you are living outside of diet culture, when you are you know, really, really mindful of your relationship with food and your body. And I think this could be a really cool podcast episode if you're interested. So if you are, and you want to learn more about maybe that intersection between, you know, having a good relationship with food and your body and doing some sports that may take a little bit more training that are maybe a little bit competitive. um, I am actually someone that by nature, I am a little bit more competitive. Um, But I also am someone who you know, after years of struggling with an eating disorder and body image and all the things, like I, I also know, you know, that sometimes some of these sports can be pretty intense and doing it in a way that is supportive and not more um, triggering is really important. So on that note, if you're interested in that, let me know. I can post about that. But today, 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 we have Susan Smith, who is a registered dietitian who focuses on sports nutrition, as well as an intuitive eating counselor. So she really focused on helping active women who are ready to stop dieting, making peace with food, but are still interested in being athletic. Right? So today we really talked about our relationship to food and how we can be intuitive eating when, how we can become intuitive eaters, even if 
you know, you have sports goals and performance. Um, so Susan has over 15 years of experience working with folks. She has lived experience of having an eating disorder and being an athlete as well. She has a master's in sports nutrition and she specialized again in sports dietetics and intuitive eating. So this conversation was so, so good. We talked about the different myths around intuitive eating and um, being an athlete and how we can marry the two. How does that actually look like? What, how does that work? What are the benefits of doing it? Honestly, this conversation was full of gems and I hope that you're really going to enjoy it. And if you do, if you like this podcast episode, if you've gotten value from it, I would love, 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 love if you can take 30 seconds to go on your app where you listen to the podcast and leave us a rating and review. It means so, so much to us. We read every one of them um, and it really helps us bring out our message into the world. It helps us spread the message. And I think it's such a message that's so important to spread all around. And what we've decided to do this week is that we are going to buy coffee or a Starbucks to um, someone who leaves us a review. So if you leave us a review this week, you will enter this contest, this giveaway. And Friday, in two days from now, we will be having a winner so please please take the time to do it and send me a screenshot on instagram so i can enter you into the drop on that note my friends enjoy this podcast episode hey suzanne welcome to the balanced dietitian podcast hi thank you so much for having me i'm of very course. excited to be here I'm really excited that you're here too. And I'm really excited about today's conversation. I think like, like I was telling you before we press record, like this is a topic that I always get questions around, like the intersection of like intuitive eating and like fitness and athletes and all of this stuff. So I think it's going to be really good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, before we start today, um, do you want to tell us maybe a little bit about you, who you are, your origin story, and what got you to do the work that you do today? Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to. Um, so as you may have heard I'm a sports dietitian and I've also have become certified in intuitive eating. So I use both that work together to work with active women in a virtual practice here in San Diego, California. Um, but what got me here was my own relationship with food, my own history with disordered eating, which started back in high school. Um, I can remember very clearly the day I was a freshman, I was a soccer player, loved soccer, loved being active from a very young age, but it was the end of our soccer season, my freshman year, and I was sitting with a friend on the soccer field after practice, and some of the senior girls, I was on the varsity team, were sitting next to us, and I could hear them, we could overhear their conversation, they were talking about how now that soccer was over, they needed to lean out so that when they go into college, they had a certain look about them. Um, and that had never crossed my mind up until that point. I was just focused on being active and having fun. But I thought like, oh, these girls are older than me. They must know something more than I do. I should try and lean out now so that where by the time I'm where they are, I'll have already be lean, whatever that I didn't really know what that meant. Yeah. Um, so my friend and I decided that we would join a gym 
because soccer was over and we should stay in shape. And at that time, there was not social media. The internet was just starting to be a thing. So magazines were our main source of information. So I picked up a few health and fitness magazines, and that's where I started to learn about things like calories, uh, fat grams, which I had never had never crossed my mind before. I just ate based off of what sounded good when I was hungry. Um, and so what started out as a innocent pursuit of like, oh, I need to get help. They, they're telling me I need to eat more vegetables. Um, and working out, I was nothing set anybody's alarm bells off because for my mom, I was choosing more vegetables and she thought, wow, that's great. She's finally eating vegetables. Whereas before I was more particular. Um, and I initially, my body did change. My weight did go down and I got a lot of compliments initially for that. Um, but then it, like for many people, it snowballed to something more out of my control. My weight went down very quickly because I was being very active and unknowingly not eating enough for the amount of activity I was doing. And so those compliments that were coming in switched to concern and what felt to me like judgment. So I kind of dug my heels in a little bit more um, and was more defensive and decided, no, I'm going to continue watching what I'm eating and learning about nutrition and exercising, um, which at the time I was in a very small town. Um, there wasn't very many resources. And at that time, there wasn't a lot of information about eating disorders. My pediatrician had no idea really what to do with me. There was no dietitian at the, in, in private practice to work with. Um, so I very, I would have been diagnosed with an eating disorder had that, that been available or someone knew how to do that. Um, so for a long time, struggled with wanting to control my body weight and being very concerned about what was in my food. Um, however, what I noticed was that my performance during soccer drastically declined. So for someone who was very fast and strong on the field, I now was very slow and was being pushed around all over the field. Um, and I did not like that. I was unhappy with the performance, unhappy with how I looked, but had no idea how to change it because again, wasn't getting any, any support on how to do that. Um, they, my lost my period, which I, it today, had I gotten support, I probably, I would have been diagnosed with what's called red S relative energy deficiency in sport, um, which essentially is when you are expending a lot of energy, but you're not meeting that energy demand. There's a lot of um, physical consequences of that. One, your body doesn't have enough energy. The energy that's coming in, your body's sending it to the organs that need it to keep you alive. And so it no longer sends energy to your reproductive hormones, which then that means you're, we see an irregular period or we see a loss of period. But the problem with that is your reproductive hormones are pretty important to your bone density and other health systems. So at that time, the thought was to start birth control because that would get a regular cycle. But we know now that that actually doesn't help with <laughs> bone density or any of that. What the, the solution is to eat more and get help with the 
the disordered relationship with food. Um, but somehow I did start, I was able to eat a little bit more and re regain some of the weight, but there was still, I, there was no healing with my relationship with food. So I was still very focused on what I was eating and how much and how much I was exercising. So although my body weight had gone up, I still had an unhealthy relationship, which then I decided, oh, well, if I study nutrition in school, I'll be able to figure this all out. Mm -hmm. um, so that led me to get a degree in nutrition, but I always knew that I had a love for sports. And at the time there was one well-known sports dietitian, Nancy Clark. And so I knew that there was a possibility of this. And so um, that was kind of the goal, but the underlying intention was to try and solve what was going on for me. Um, but I always had in the back of my mind, this strong desire of wishing to go back to that day when I was sitting on the soccer field and never hearing that conversation, never picking up a magazine. And like the, the desire was so strong to never have learned what a calorie or gram of fat or gram of carb was. Like I knew intuitively in the back of my mind that that was such a happier, better place to be. Yeah. And it's such a unique experience because you can like pinpoint that moment in time. You know, like when you see it in the movies that you're like, oh my God, the guy turned left and sort of right and his uh -huh. whole life changed. Kind of like for you, it's like that moment, that conversation that you heard, like, uh, yeah, I can just imagine like that, mm -hmm. that thought of like, I wish that would have been different. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, it, it's just a reminder of like how our words matter and how we say oh things gosh. really, we ha you have no idea how it's going to land for somebody. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, even though I still, I still pursued different diets, different ways of restricting, um, different restrictive behaviors. I still had that underlying desire of just wanting to be free of it all, um, mm -hmm. through college. Fortunately, I had a great group of girlfriends who weren't very focused on eating or body, which helped. I still had unhealthy behaviors, but that helped, I think, um, a little bit. But again, it's a very similar situation where I played club soccer my freshman year of college. And one of my teammates was saying how she was training for a marathon and how she needed to eat so much more because her weight was going down. And that again, in my brain, I was like, oh, this might be a way for me to be able to eat more, but also see a change in my body weight. So I signed up for a marathon. <laughs> and because I was already very restrictive and had red S, I, I did not see any change in my body weight because that is very protective of the body thank God. Um, mm -hmm. And it really clouded the experience of finishing a marathon. I was proud of crossing the finish line, but it didn't, I didn't, I couldn't fully take that on because a part of me felt like I should look like a runner and I didn't believe that I did. Um, so it really clouded that accomplishment and that experience. Um, so Fast forward a little bit, I eventually luckily did go into therapy, which really helped mm -hmm. me understand how to process emotions um, and 
kind of understand what was going on emotionally for me. Um, but it had been maybe like 15 years. I just, I remember thinking like, how am I still here? Like continuing to put my life on hold. And it's like, I can't, I can't continue doing this. Like I can't go another 15 years and still this is all I'm doing, thinking about what I'm eating, exercising um, to control my weight. So I'm, I'm skipping a lot of pieces just <laughs> for the sake of time. But I eventually, I couldn't even bring myself to track food anymore because it was, it was triggering. I, even though as much as I wanted to, I just could not do it. I couldn't go on any type of diet as much as I wanted to. Like I mentally and physically could not bring myself to do it. So I finally got to a place of like just surrendering it all essentially is how I kind of see it was I just need to surrender that this is where my body's going to be. And I'm just exhausted of, with thinking about the scale and food. So I, on my own, just started introducing more of the off-limit foods and focusing more on how can I just performance and in the activity that I was doing. So I was in triathlons and things like that. Um, so I shifted the focus there, which allowed me to enter at the time I was, and now today carbohydrates are a food group that get demonized. So I was allowing a lot more of those back. Um, and was able to create that piece with food and able to think about food so much less, so much more, not nearly as much. Mm -hmm. And by that time I had become a dietitian and was working in a more weight centric at, from a more weight centric approach, because that's what I was taught in school. Um, but I too was seeing that the people I was working with were struggling with similar things with me, like not knowing how to lose weight or losing weight and regaining it. And something just didn't sit right. And at that time I started seeing more information about intuitive eating. Um, so I threw myself into it because it pretty much brought words and a framework to what I was trying to do on my own and what I had always probably, for lack of a better words, intuitively knew. Um, and so I have never looked back since then. And now I can say that I, even though as a dietitian, I know all the numbers and things like that. For me personally, it's not a thing I think twice about when I'm making my own meal choices. I have so much peace and just contentment around food. And my relationship with exercise has shifted as well. Uh, it's no longer focused on controlling the number on the scale. Oh man, first of all, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Like I'm sure that a lot of people listening will be able to resonate. Like, first of all, man, access to care. Like I always like think like we, um, like I have a practice for eating disorders and like we help a lot of teenagers. It's mm -hmm. it has become like very focused on teenagers in the early twenties and adults as well. Um, but that access to care of like having, you know, having to have dealt with that for 15 years it's it's such a long time but the fact that you were able to get yourself out of it is so huge it's so big um I also wanted to say for folks who are interested in learning about um, red s and eating disorder we do have a podcast with Heidi 
on that. So she's also a sports dietitian and we did a whole podcast episode on Reddit. So I'm going to link that in the show note if you want to learn more, because I think that's a super interesting topic mm-hmm. of its own. Mm-hmm. Um, but thank you so much for sharing with us. And I'm sure that that experience like with your clients today is so helpful, especially athletes. Um, and I think when you're getting to that level too, and how much, you know, you praise like how much nutrition is important in like your body and all of that, like it can feel extremely challenging to try to mix that with intuitive eating and like trusting your body when I think, and I don't know, you can tell me if that resonates with you or not, but like, I feel like a lot of athletes are so like, you know, we want to have a lot of control and like all the things that we do. And now you're being like, trust yourself. And you're like, wait, we're taught to like micromanage our food. Now you're telling me I can trust. <laughs> like it can yep. feel like very difficult to bridge that gap. Yeah. Yeah. And all the, the behaviors are very normalized Oh gosh. a lot of times. Um, so that's what that's what's tricky too especially with athletes because it is seen as of course they're athletes so they're pursuing optimal optimal fitness and health so we don't question it as much um when yeah there needs to be like you said more trust and more flexibility Hey, 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 I'm just interrupting this podcast to tell you about the Food Freedom Club. This is my new membership, and I'm so excited to share with you. If you are ready to stop dieting, you want food freedom, you want to feel empowered, like you want to wake up every morning no longer stressing about food and having food just feel easy and just feeling confident with your choices, knowing that you're nourishing your body, this is the membership for you. So inside the membership, you're going to get access to our success path to food freedom and true food freedom, not just this kind of like, (laughs) you know, fun, like, yeah, I'm not restricting anymore, but thoroughly feeling empowered with food. We're also going to get, you're going to get access to an amazing community, monthly Q and A's, challenges, a recipe vault, a troubleshoot section, all of the things that you would need to finally find freedom and be part of a community that offers you ongoing support. We know that health outside of diet culture is something that we continue to work towards, right? Um, Body image, food freedom, those are things that we continue to work on in terms of a relationship to food and body. So this can be the perfect membership for you. So if you're interested in joining this club, go check out the link in the show notes. Again, this is the most cost-effective way to work with me, be part of an amazing community, and I hope that you will join us. On that note, let's get back to the show. So let's dive deep into this subject because I think this is going to be really, really good. I guess my first like overarching question is, can an athlete be an intuitive eater? Like, is that even a possible thing? Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is my passion is to spread this message. I just wanted us to repeat that. Yeah, yeah. It is definitely possible. Uh, I think what's, what is interesting, or I think what athletes can resonate with, at least I do, is we definitely listen to our bodies when we're doing any activity. And when I say athlete, I think if you're, whatever type of activity you do, you can, that, that term has is very broad. If you're active and you enjoy activity, you, you can be an athlete. Right. Um, I, I, I remember my, um, when I went to physio for the first time, cause I had issues with my knee and my physio called me an athlete and was like, what? <laughs> I 
yeah. like athletes in my head was like reserved for like these I was like oh I'm an athlete because I like move my body <laughs> yeah <laughs> like general population levels I'm like sweet <laughs> yeah 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 so when I say athlete I mean anybody who enjoys movement but we listen to our body when where we are should be encouraged to listen to our body when we're doing activities so that we don't injure ourselves or if you're a runner or cyclists or any type of endurance activity, if you didn't listen to your body, you wouldn't make it to the end of that three mile, five mile, six mile run because you would go too hard. Yeah. So there is some listening there, which I think we can, I try and pull into with eating. It's not, it's, that is very intuitive to be listening to your heart rate, um, to be listening to if you need to slow down or take it easy. We, that very much is how we approach an intuitive eating framework. Yeah, no, I love that. So if you get into like the nitty gritty, because part of intuitive eating is like not really tracking, counting or doing any of mm -hmm. that and being able to rely on our body. But if we think of like different athletic performance, knowing that maybe like we want to look at different type of macros and making sure that we like eat enough and all of these things, like how can you balance those two of like, wait, you're not tracking, but also kind of making sure, like, do we, can, can we still track? Like, how does that like look like in terms of making sure that you're still meeting your needs as an athlete and not necessarily tracking? Yeah. 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 I don't, most athletes don't need to be tracking. They're not, I would, I would argue there's not very many that, that need to. I think really high level athletes should be working with a sports dietitian and that dietitian should be tracking the numbers and the athlete should be able to just focus on building healthy meals um, or building those meals that they need. But I will sometimes bring the conversation of gentle nutrition in earlier with athletes because when they are, they have sometimes are more curious about that. They want to know the why. Um, and it can be helpful to understand um, why we need to be eating more frequently to meet the energy demand. So when you're active, it's we rely more on practical hunger. So versus physical hunger, physical hunger, we still want to listen to. But when you're really active, we know that we need to top off our energy stores before an activity. So having a small pre-workout snack is beneficial irregardless of that physical hunger cue. And we also know through the research that having a post-workout snack helps with that recovery process. And when you've been exercising, blood and oxygen is sent away from the stomach into the working muscles. So right after exercise for many people, they don't have much of an appetite, but we still need to get in nutrients to help with that repair process. So it's more most active people need to focus more on their eating patterns and eating well and frequently throughout the day to support the activity that they do versus tracking every macronutrient. But I will talk about, I kind of simplify it and I didn't make this up. This is something that I've learned from mentors is the rule of three, which we have three meals with the three macronutrients every three hours and shooting for two to three snacks with at least two of the macronutrients. I think that works really well with active people. Mm -hmm. um, and we can, I rather people focus more on that, building that plate. And for most people, that's, they're going to meet their energy demand mm -hmm. um, just by simply following that structure. 
without strictly tracking numbers. I will sometimes give numbers for protein um, just so people have a little frame of reference. If someone's very active and we really, we need to support recovery, then maybe we're talking about what a serving of protein looks like to support that recovery process. And the, with carbohydrates, it's really just during. So if it's an endurance athlete, we know that having 30 to 60 grams of carbohydrate per hour that you're out doing a run or long bike ride really helps replace that. But I would say those are the, the, maybe the two times that I'll give numbers. Otherwise it's more, let's just plan your meals and time them so that they're supporting the amount of activity you're doing. Yeah. I like that. It's kind of like simplifying it. And I think something that I like to like remind like myself and like the audience is just also like, I think sometimes when we think of intuitive eating, we think of the hunger and fullness diet where like, Mm -hmm. it's all about like feeling your hunger, eating when you're hungry and stopping when you're full. And like, I think we like oversimplify it that way. When we think of like being an intuitive eating or intuitive eater, like it's a set of principle and it's all these uh, like different components that can come into the sports, right? Like when we think of like rejecting diet mentality, letting go of the food police, like all of these pieces are part of it. So it's not mm-hmm. just about the hunger and fullness piece. And I, I really like how you brought in that, like that brain or practical hunger of like, that is part of intuitive eating too. Mm-hmm. Like it's not just about eating when we're hungry and stopping when we're full. And I think sometimes we kind of have this idea that that's what it is and that we can't like have anything else. Be part yeah. Of it. yeah. But yeah, no, okay. I really, really like that and how like making sure that we're like just getting enough to support like recovery and performance and all of the things too, but it sounds like it's like taking a lot of the stress away from nutrition mm-hmm, mm-hmm. when you're like doing it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it shouldn't, it should, there's so many other areas that are stressful in our life and eating definitely doesn't have to be one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we think about performance, improvements you have kind of like a pyramid where one your genetics are going to play a pretty strong role in in your your performance in that whatever sport you're doing and then on top of that is your training so the training plan is going to have a pretty significant um, effect and then of course nutrition is kind of the next kind of top of that pyramid these. So it's, it's certainly important, but I like, I think when you think about it that way, it's not, we don't have to be so strict on what we're eating because it's, it's supportive, but it's not, it's not going to completely throw off someone's performance. Just like same thing with our overall health, eating, having a flexible diet doesn't make or break your health outcomes long-term. Yeah. I wonder, um, if there are, cause I just, I honestly have not looked, is there any studies that sh- like talk about like intuitive eating and like sports nutrition versus tracking, for example, like do we, is there any of the intuitive eating in the sport? Research? That's a good, that is a yeah. good question. I honestly, I don't know either. I don't know. I don't know that I've seen any. Yeah, I haven't either. And I haven't seen anybody, like I've worked with other sports dietitians in the intuitive eating realm and follow them. And I haven't seen anything, but that, I think that would be a great, that would be such a cool way. Cause I've been trying to think about like the stress, like on the, like, you know, like uh-huh. just how stress impacts our performance. Like yeah. if you're not spending your time stressing about food, how <laughs> does like, that improve you? Enough, like, yeah, yeah. How, how, how would that impact? <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, it certainly would. I mean, really stress fun. is going to delay recovery. Yeah. Um, yeah, so. no. Okay. That's really, really, really interesting. I really like this idea of like, I like how you bring the like listening to our body with movement and then we can do the same with food and like allowing like just the foods to fit and like simplifying what that can look like. Like, I think that's just like such a cool way to view nutrition as something that helps and not that something that's going to be like the end all be all, you know, yeah. it puts so much stress on how that needs to look like. Um, especially for athletes, when you think of like performance, especially like long, I guess, distance and when you're in the higher level too. Um, and what would you say would be some signs to look out for when your like relationship to food or even to movement may no longer be healthy and maybe a little bit more disordered? Like, as you said, I think a lot of this is normalized in this world. So what would be maybe some signs to look out for? Yeah, I think in the active population and, and outside of that, it's similar is the a question I always ask my clients is what percent of their time are they thinking about food and how do those thoughts make them feel? So I think that's a big kind of red flag is if we're constantly thinking about what we're eating and we're, and those thoughts are more around, did we eat the right thing or did we eat the wrong thing? And how do we compensate if we ate the wrong thing? When are we going to have the next meal? Um, so if a log, if a large percentage of your day is going towards thinking about food, there's something that needs to be explored there. Uh, because just not even just unintentionally not getting enough. So I will certainly see athletes who are just doing, have increased their activity and didn't adjust their nutrition. Yeah. And that's just, that's a normal response of an underfed body is to start thinking about food more because makes sense. It would encourage us to maybe seek, go seek that out. But when there's guilt there's thoughts of guilt, feelings of guilt after eating certain things that it, that should be the first indicator that we want to find support. I think athletes are also much more prone. And I experienced this in my own journey as well to developing orthorexia. Mm -hmm. um, so maybe they're not as focused on the weight aspect, but they're very focused on quality and things being very clean and only eating whole foods and having a lot of anxiety or fears of eating anything that's packaged or processed yeah and so. then your value is so attached to that like the cleaner I eat mm -hmm. the better I am like, mm -hmm. like it's really um it's very intense yeah yeah um so that's something for sure and then compensating if you're having if you're adding in extra workouts um, or extending the amount that you're exercising because of concerns of things that we've eaten, that would be another area that we want to, we want to yeah. start looking into. I see that a lot with like earning foods and compensating mm -hmm. for foods. Like, I think that's something that we see often of feeling like you need to do more or work out more, or I can't have this because I didn't work out long enough today. Like, those types of thoughts and I think they're normalized like I think this is part of the things like I remember I used to be a group fitness instructor instructor and after every freaking holiday like the instructors would be like well it's a good thing you're here because now we need to burn off what you ate over the weekend like yep and it was like that every freaking week and we just like internalized that so much and I know for me it was the same mm -hmm. thing like when I would eat more it was like cool what am I going to add this week to make up for it? Right. So I think yeah. that's another big one that uh, I know I see often. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. And 
when I was training for marathons and longer distance, I was, that was what was told too. Like, oh, you did a long run. You must be able to eat anything today yeah. or you finished a marathon. You get to eat as much as you want. Yeah. And so it is remembering that we're humans and we, that alone is enough evidence that we deserve food. Mm. We never have to earn our food through any type amount of activity. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, very much that is for a lot of active people, a lot of athletes. Um, I think a lot of college athletes who do, do a lot of training and then when college ends struggle with this. Yeah. Well, I think it's hard, right? Cause I think when you are an athlete, like we, we, you start to see like food as fuel, like it's very much presented mm-hmm. that way mm-hmm. and to a degree. It is like, if you are a higher performer that you're like, you need to, to make sure that you're fueling your workouts and your recovery and all of that. Yeah. But then I feel like we really associate that. So it kind of leads to the belief of like, but then if I don't move, my body does not require energy because I haven't done anything where we're like, well, your body on its own, like, even if you were not to move, like, we're so expensive, like, we need so much energy to stay alive, regardless of movement. <laughs> yeah, that's just, like, yeah. an add-on. Yeah. But I think, like, that link is so strong of, like, food is fuel, and, like, it's meant to, oh, what, what is it? It's, like, don't, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard this. I heard this so many times, like, don't live to eat, but eat to live, like, yeah. food is, oh, gosh, yeah. you guys cannot see me, but I'm, like, rolling my eyes yeah. all the way back to my head, yeah, so I think it, like, it, all of these messages that are very, like, just always there, I think it makes it very hard to kind of see these signs. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's very difficult, um, I think the, I, with clients, I like to remind them that fuel, that food is more than fuel. And for athletes, it should be like, we, food is part of our celebrations. It's part of connecting with friends and family. It's part of holidays and things like that. And that, and it, that's what it, it should be. And as, even as athletes, that's what it can be as well. It doesn't Mm -hmm. have to be this very kind of black and white. It's only used for energy we need well-rounded, balanced athletes, active people as well, where it's not just focusing on the performance and eating perfectly. Like you should be nurturing connections with friends and family and those things when that, and usually that involves being able to go out to eat with them without Mm -hmm. any stress or anxiety of what's going to be on the menu. And it, it goes back to what we were saying earlier, that's not going to impact someone's performance yeah enjoying a burger and fries out with friends doesn't mean that you're you're not going to perform any better the next day or the days following the only thing with athletes is again this is using intuitive eating is i i wouldn't recommend having a burger and french fries right before you're going to do an activity not because of any labels about the food that it's unhealthy but just from a physical standpoint that is going to sit in your stomach a little bit longer. It's going to be digested more slowly. So it's going to be very uncomfortable Mm -hmm. physically during that activity. So it's intuitive to notice that of like, oh, when I eat these combinations of foods before exercise, I'm uncomfortable. So maybe I should have, enjoy them outside of exercise. So that's all we're doing is we're just listening to like, oh, what does 
digest a little bit easier. My body can use it as energy right before exercise, which is mostly carbohydrates, a little bit of protein, and maybe a little bit of fat. Yeah. Outside of that, we can have these enjoyable foods. We can do, we can go out with friends and family for dinners, things like that. Yeah. I love that so much. Um, and I guess my last question is just, I'm just imagining, like, I'm just imagining people who are listening to this, who are maybe like very much into sports, very much into the gym, who are pride themselves on being like so disciplined and like, you know, mm -hmm. like work hard, play hard and like all of these like thoughts and uh, maybe very type a very perfectionism with their like plans as well and I'm imagining them just sitting there and be like oh, okay but like I really care about this like I I'm so disciplined with my workout I do all of this like I'm so like you know like on it with that like shouldn't I also be so disciplined with my diet to make sure that I'm doing like the best like how can we maybe like demystify that a little bit and like reframe that so one I would push back a little bit in terms of the discipline around exercise and working out to improve performance, because that, that too can be, you can very easily disconnect from your body. If you're just blindly following the training plan and not listening to your body, or you're thinking that, you know, better and you should add more. So if someone has, let's say they have a coach, a good coach should be encouraging you to follow the training plan, but also adjust it and give them feedback based off of how you're feeling. So if you're feeling fatigued, maybe that's a recovery day versus, oh, the today says I need to do this type of workout. I have to do it regardless. Mm -hmm. So I would say, yes, discipline, there's a place of discipline, of course, because when you have performance goals, there has to be, there's a little bit of discomfort involved. But you also have to listen to your body's cues. Otherwise, we're, we are at higher risk of being injured if you're ignoring those signs of fatigue. And the same goes with nutrition. So yes, we, we want to plan ahead. So we want to maybe do some meal planning so that we have a, a good pre-workout snack available and ready if we're, it's an early morning workout and we have breakfast, lunch, and dinners thought out or at least available so that we're not skipping those meals or not skipping those snacks. Um, but outside of that, we want to bring in flexibility with what is within those meals so that there's enjoyment and satisfaction. And we know that I see with clients and people when, when they're more in tune with listening to that satisfaction, that enjoyment, their way of eating does become much more balanced. And it becomes much more supportive to the activity that they're doing, which mm -hmm. then in turn turns into better performance outcomes. So when we have more of that flexibility in place, we actually see a little bit more balance overall. Mm -hmm. um, so really kind of coming back to, yes, there can be some structure um, and it's more with the, like I said, the meal timing, knowing that you have something to eat. So we're not going long periods or we're not showing up to a workout and not having eaten four hours for four hours before. Um, but we don't have to be so rigid within getting ex everything exactly right within those meals. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's like such a perfect answer too. I think like oftentimes like 
this is just my own perspective and I may be completely wrong, but I think like sometimes when we have this, like, I need to be so disciplined, needs to be this way. There's, I think a little bit of fear of like losing control of like, if you don't do that, then when? And like some people I think have experience of like, but when I'm not like this, like, I don't care about my nutrition anymore. I go like off the other Mm -hmm. way. And it's like, that is the response to the control though. And like, when we're able to kind of start letting go of that, like, you're right. Like most people will find more balance. Like we'll find actually, that they don't eat donuts and chips every day, all day, <laughs> you know, even yes. though that's a fear, I think sometimes. Yeah. It kind of goes back to what you were saying earlier, because the whole process is to reconnect with our body and learn to be on the same team and trust it. Mm-hmm. And when a lot of that drama in our head, all those food rules and judgments are put to the side or we, or they're gone, and we're more focused on trusting our body, we can hear those signals so much more clearly yeah. of what is going to be, what is going to be helpful for a pre-workout snack mm-hmm. and what works best for us physically and feels most comfortable. Um, so those signals are more clear. So that control comes back in a sense. Mm-hmm. I think the feeling of out of control is because there's such a disconnect yeah. between us and our body and there's distrust. Um, so knowing that when you continue this process of healing your relationship with food, that trust improves that control, that sense of control, I think eventually comes back, but in a more healthy, balanced way. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Thank you so much for being here with us today. I think this conversation was just really cool to demystify a lot of the myths and that knowing that even if you are an athlete, even if you're someone who loves to move the body, you can still be an intuitive eater. You can still do this work and build that connection. And it can actually be very supportive um, for you as well. Um, Where can people find you and work with you? Yeah. So I have a website at SuzanneJSmith.com. So you can learn more about me there and the programs that I have. I'm also on Instagram. It's SuzanneSmith underscore RD. So you can also connect me, with me there. Shoot me a DM with any questions. Um, so yeah. yeah. Awesome. And all of that will be in show notes as well. So you guys can connect with her. Um, and now let's finish with our fun questions. The first one being, what is your favorite food? Yeah, that is a great question. It would have been very different when I was more in my um, (laughs) under eating disordered relationship with food. I was obsessed with chocolate and peanut butter, which I still enjoy. But at that time I could imagine, I couldn't imagine not wanting any other food. And now that that I'm at a much healthier place, I will be cliche being here in San Diego, but tacos are my favorite. They just never let me down on any menu. (laughs) If I make them at home, they're just, they're always good. So they're always my backup. I love that so much. Um, if you could have a superpower, what would it be? I don't know if this is a superpower because it only benefits me. Um, but I think it would be, I don't and even like shape if if I could shape shift, but into like a house cat. Ooh. So where you're just doted on <laughs> you sit in the sun, sleep all day, you're yeah. cuddled by a loving human you're fed this is the first time I hear this but this is like freaking genius (laughs) I told it to my partner yesterday I'm like sometimes I wish I could be like our dog Odin I'm like 
he's like living the best life, the best life. <laughs> I'm like why why can't I not be a dog in a good home <laughs> yeah exactly I love that so much um okay what is your favorite way to self-care um probably getting outside so getting in some yeah mostly being in nature in some way helps I feel like it grounds me I can think through whatever's going through my brain. So usually that's always part of my daily routine is some type of getting outside, getting fresh air. I love that. I love that. And then last question for you, what does balance mean to you? So I think for me, balance is making sure So even if things are crazy, I always make sure that I'm nourishing myself well throughout the day. Um, I like what Evelyn Tribbley, one of the creators of of intuitive eating, calls it um, nourishment as a form of self-care. So that has really stuck with me. That keeps me balanced, but also moving my body in some way Um, and having a little bit of alone time. I'm more of a introvert. So being able to kind of reconnect with myself, five, 10 minutes of journaling. So if I can get those three things in, even if other things ever other areas of my life are crazy or hectic or busy, I can still feel grounded or balanced. I love that so, so much. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I think this episode was super valuable. Um, and again, all of her info will be in the show notes. So you guys go check her out. And thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. podcast episode again if you do leave us a review send it to me on ig and you're going to be entered to win a giveaway and on that note my friend i hope that you have the best day and i'll catch you next week in the next episode